This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. The price of the beer Please, was sir. more than the price for that girl for the whole night. Yeah. So they'll they'll have more problem with that beer breaking than that something happening to that girl. For them, that girl is purely 100% just a product. For me, we as humans, as individuals, I think we have got a role to when we pass on that we have actually left this world, this earth in a better place. Yeah, I love that. And we're better to start with than the next generation. Yeah. If we can have an impact on the next generation yeah. and lift them up to the next level and help them and give them the tools to yeah. be able to go, what a better society will we have in, in 10, 20, 30 years' time? Yes. Come on, Aussie fellas, get better than that. Come on, Aussie fellas, back yourself to, to have a bit of personality and character with uh, the good women that we can meet, you know, in our own vicinities, in our own regions, mm. you know, rather than escaping. Oh, I'm making it up now. Yeah. Undercover. And I hope I get some um, raw feedback on that. Please challenge me. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So but I think we're, we're all on a journey, but the whole thing is as long as love keeps on increasing in our life, yeah. I believe we're on the right path. Is there any limit to it? I don't think so. I, wow. believe, I really don't believe so. I believe it can go because it's nearly like when you think you've hit a level, then new things get opened up in front of you and you go realize there's so much more. Wow. And, and I think we're all on a, we're all growing. Yeah. Well, I think we're supposed to as human beings. From the day we're born, there's this growth process. And... And I'm a firm believer, you know, you and I had a chat earlier on that I don't believe we're meant to just retire. I really believe we've got to have a purpose all the way through till we pass on. Well, dear listeners, beautiful listeners, thank you ever so much because you have joined yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. And why do I call you beautiful on this particular occasion? I'm just looking at the subscriptions. Is that the right word? Subscribers and followers and the shares and the likes. I am so appreciative that each and every one of you out there have responded to the call. And the good news, Mark Nuss, yes, dear listeners, now you've got the name of our Yes, wait till you hear what his business is all about. Just, just incredible. Now, I'm not going to call it Destiny's Child. Yes, thanks. <laughs> but what should I call the, the business? Destiny Rescue. <laughs> Destiny Rescue. Oh, dear people, wait till you hear of Mark's story, his work, and, and his beautiful character. But again, let me just come back and thank you ever so much because we're spreading the love, dear people. And, and I know that sounds a bit motherhoodish, but don't we all love our mother? Um, but it's just beautiful that people are becoming more aware of what it means to be a more loving human being. Mark, that's what this podcast is all about. Mark Nuss, an absolute beautiful beautiful human being. Now, mate, I'm saying that with a wry smile on my face because if you tell us the nature of your 
wonderful work and it's going to shock some people. But tell us that because that will give us a reflection of who you are. Destiny Rescue. Introduce us to it. Well, thanks so much, Bernie. Thanks for having me on today. Um, Destiny Rescue is a not-for-profit organisation that got started out of um, out of Australia over now 22 years ago wow. uh, by a gentleman called Tony Kerwin that in very short um, overheard uh, um, two guys talk about that they got offered two girls, children, to have sex with and basically have them for the whole night. And that rocked his world. And him being a father of young daughters himself at that stage – just like really that hit him to the core and he started investigating and realizing what a huge problem it is. So, you know, if you look at the World Labor Organization, their 2016-17 report guesstimates that about a million children are trafficked into the sex industry. A million Yeah, children. over a million children. And that the illegal sex industry is a 99 billion uh, plus annual uh, turnover a year business and, and it's the fastest growing illegal industry in the world and the second largest behind drugs. And so uh, we as Destiny Rescue got started, like I said, by Tony. And, and re- we realized very early on that if the children could have just said, here I am, help me, rescue me, they would have been rescued. Yeah. But we realized very early on we had to go where they are. And, and one of the ways we worked out is to basically act like sex tourists because sex tourism is what kind of started this industry, started f- uh, fueling this industry. And we started going undercover as sex tourists looking for children that have been trafficked into these horrible places. Let, let, let's get into, uh, I use the word specifics, just a mm-hmm. little bit more broader context here. Mm-hmm. Tony, did he hear this in Sydney? Did he hear of this? Uh, these two two guys wanting uh, this young children? This was in Thailand. He this over, is in yeah, Thailand. In Thailand, yes. Bangkok, Phuket? Yeah, I, um, I believe it was in Bangkok, but yeah, I don't know the matter. exact specific yeah, location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. But yeah, it was in Thailand. And yeah. and why I heard it in Thailand? Because Thailand was one of those nations that sex tourists would travel to from all over the world. So you had people tra- traveling in their main purpose for traveling to these countries because it's cheap flights, cheap accommodation, and, and also, unfortunately, cheaper sex if they pay for it. And so what happens is it really – sex tourism became a am, thing. Am I out of place here? Like I mm, – I, I find it – strange that there is even a need to pay for sex. Well, yes, but unfortunately it is it is an industry, if you want to put it that way, that's been with us from, yeah, from the I, turn I, of time. Yeah, welcome to humanity. Okay, get off my high horse here, Bernie. So let's just go to Bangkok, yeah. Thailand, okay? Yeah, yeah. What percentage of sex tourism is coming from Australians – yeah, very good Mo- question. Moving um, into those countries in the late ninety uh, in the late nineties, a report was done by the John Hopkins University um, from the US, and they and they and they researched Thailand specifically, and I believe it was around the sixty five to sixty eight percent of sex tourists in Thailand around that time were Australians. Wow! Because of you've got to think of a proximity, close. We're probably the closest Western nation to it. Easy to get there, easy access, and then, but over time, so it's nearly like we were one of the first adopters, and then and of, of this new form of tourism, and then as time would grow, obviously more and more people came from different countries. So now it's literally if you're if you're sitting on if you're sitting undercover, you're literally hearing uh, you know German accents, Russian, 
South yeah. African, England, you name it, all over the world, Americans, etc. Yeah. So, but yeah, unfortunately, we were one of the first adopters originally yeah. um, of this industry. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say it, mate. I just got to, come on, Aussie fellas, get better than that. Come on, Aussie fellas, back yourself to, to have a bit of personality and character with uh, the good women that we can meet, you know, in our own vicinities, in our own regions, mm. you know, rather than escaping, oh, I'm making it up now, yeah. undercover. And I hope I get some um, raw feedback on that. Please challenge me. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> G'day listeners, it's Chip here with another of my patent pending loaded questions. And you heard the old fella. Bernie just told us to challenge him. But before we do that, uh, and I rang Bernie to clarify this because I'm diligent, uh, I asked him, what does challenge me actually mean, Bern? And this is his reply. Can you love yourself enough and appreciate the value of you so much that you can actually begin to dilute your want for even the most basic needs? Because if you love yourself enough, the need for validation or gratification from others, that goes away. Right? And surely if you love yourself enough, there's no need to take from others to meet your own needs. Because you're already satisfied. Right? You're at peace with yourself. So what would it say about someone who would need to take from a child for their own self-gratification? It's a hard question. What would it say about how they feel about themselves? And what would they need to do to address the real issue? What do you reckon, guys? I think it's time you got involved. Okay, so when you finish listening to this episode, leave us a few comments on what you think about that. I want to learn from you. Bernie wants to learn from you. Other listeners, they want to learn from you too. So tell us what you think. Um, tell us about where do the children come from, but how do they get into this situation themselves? How does that happen? What's the process there? Yeah, so the process is, is there's a lot of reasons why children get trafficked and find themselves in this position. But one of the main denominators is is poverty. <laughs> All our different countries, we operate in 12 nations internationally, and we have undercover agents in all of these countries. And um, so I had the privilege to go undercover in Padia, and and there was a, there was a real well-known tourist spot where people would literally, tourists would walk through and go to these go-go bars and go in, and it was like a tourist attraction. Yeah. But it was also a place where a lot of sex tourists would go to. So in, in Thailand, uh, um, uh, for example, um, it's it's kind of illegal to have a brothel, but so what happened is they, they turned bars into basically the storefront for brothels. So, right. so in, in my case, uh, um, I went with our amazing permanent undercover guys. I was sitting there. And I was sitting next, and and what literally happens is they'll they'll have a little stage and they'll parade the girls in front of you, and these girls will be wearing numbers. So it's literally right from the beginning, right from the first point when you walk in, you've got these girls. Some of them will be scant, uh, forced to be scantily clothed. Some will be even topless, but they'll all wear this number, and it's literally they kind of parade in front of you, and you can basically say. I want number 12 or I want number 13. So it's literally like ordering a product. So I remember, I'll never forget, number 43. And that was, 
And and I just want to, for the listeners, also let them know that when we use names, we'll use uh, fake names because yeah, we protect yeah, we yeah. protect our children all the way through. So, yeah. so, um, so Michael number forty three, and that was just the number that they gave. She came and sat next to me, and I call her Sugi. So Sugi was 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 the first time that I was involved sitting there with a girl and and basically we were getting ready for we were actually getting the place ready to be raided but I'll I'll explain that a little bit later but yeah. so I'm sitting there next to Sugi and you've got a little girl that's sitting and she's not looking me she's not looking up she's not looking me in the eyes and the way she's seating herself she's actually got her little arms crossed and the whole body it's nearly like she's trying to make herself as small as possible yeah and it's a self-defense mechanism. Yeah. So, and Suki's little story, I'll just give you the background to explain how she got there. So Suki was in school with a 10-year-old sister. Yeah. So now you already can get an idea of where the age lies. So she's with a 10-year-old sister in school. Both parents are working. Life's good. Unfortunately for her dad, unfortunately, suddenly dies. He dies in a car accident. Um, and her mother, who wasn't the main bread income earner he was, she could see her mother struggling. And so Suki, out of the kindness of her own heart, decides, you know what, mom, I'm going to help you. I'm going to go to the closest bigger city and look for work. And in her mind, she was literally thinking she's going to work at a restaurant. But you're saying Suki's either 8 or 12. You're, you're saying she's either side of her 10-year-old sister. Yeah, so, so her younger 10-year-old sister. So she ended up being 13. So, right, okay. Yeah. So, um, so with Suki, so here you've got a little girl literally out of kindness and goodness of her own heart goes to a bigger city thinking she's going to work in a restaurant, naively thought she's going to wash dishes or serve customers, but have a job. And the whole idea was, mom, I'll go there, work, and until you get back on your feet, get a better job, and then I'll come back into school. So in her mind, this is going to only be a short, short, short gap. And um, unfortunately for her, that happens to so many girls. The wrong people got hold of Sugi and they railroaded her into selling her little body to Dirty John's flying in from all over the world. Yeah. And so that's where I then end up sitting next to Sugi. So yeah. you've got this little beautiful girl, but at that stage, she was already four months in it, Yeah. being forced to sleep with these guys that come in from all over around the world. She's just known as a number, number 43, that's it. Yeah. And and in our conversations along the way, I kind of asked Sugi, you know, I probably pushed it a little bit, but I asked Sugi, Sugi, if you could have stayed in school, what is it that you wanted to do? Now, Bernie, I don't know if you've ever come across somebody where you get somebody that actually, when they share you a dream that they had or, 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 or even a hope to see when they share with you that they don't believe that will ever happen again. Yeah. That they've, they've let, literally known that shot to pieces, that dream. Yeah. And she kind of just mumbled under her breath and her whole body, lang body language just slumped and just under her breath just said, oh, I want to become a school teacher. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a beautiful girl yeah. that wants to help her family yeah. and wanted to be an educator of the next generation. Yeah. Yet forced to do something that she never dreamt she would have to do in her wildest dreams. And Bernie, that's – I'm sorry, but this is not what – in our modern world, this should not be. Yeah, that, that, that's what – This should not be. Why have we gotten as a society to a point where we see children as purely as a product? Yeah. And it's, it's – it, sorry, it still affects me when I think of her because I can still see her clearly. Yeah. That child should never, ever, ever have been placed in that position. Absolutely. absolutely. And it's not a cultural thing. Sometimes people wipe it off as a cultural thing. It's not a cultural thing. They've got – They've got dreams just as much as our children have their dreams. 
And yet, you know, I'm sitting next to a girl that's the same age as one of my own daughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 here's the thing: we've since we've rescued, we've rescued since 2011. We came up to 2011, and we realized we were so busy doing rescues and working and expanding and doing our work. You know, and 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 Destiny Rescue literally everybody wears multiple hats. It's yeah. it's we try and run it as as efficient, effectively as possible. And anyway, so at 2011 we decided, all right, we'll start at zero because we had clear records of how many we had, clear numbers. We couldn't tell hand on heart this is how many we've exactly we've rescued. So we thought, all right, let's just start at zero. So 2011 we started at zero, we're, and we've by, we've we're over, we've rescued now over 13,500 individuals. Wow, and. And each one of those individuals, yeah, they've got a dream, they've got a story, and uh, and and even when I've been at our, uh, one of our rescue centers, we had, you know, you know, speaking to, we had rescued, so we rescued boys as well, majority are girls, but we rescued sure. boys as well, yeah. and we had 11, 14, and fifteen year old boys there, yeah, and that were forced to sleep with three to four customers a day, yeah, and they got rescued. And they have the same dreams as ours. Like, like when I was there, uh, um, this was last year. They came back, they came back, and literally in front of where they were staying in their in their house, they were staying in, yeah. with these uh, soccer cleats. Yeah. They just came back from playing, and they've got the same dreams as our boys and girls. Yeah, same dreams of wanting to be the next uh, um, Ronaldo or the sure. next Messi. Yeah. So yeah. the same dreams as our kids. Yeah. So yeah. none of them think this is what I want to do. Yeah. Where I I have a little. Confusion around mm-hmm. Suki. How do you pronounce that? Suki. Suki. S U G Y. I. Yeah. But like Sugi. I said, it's just a name that I gave Sugi. her. Suki. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is she had the fortitude and the courage to leave home and go to the big city at 13. Yeah. So why not the fortitude and the courage to escape? From her her four her circumstances. Her yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that uh, traffickers and and perms who end up with the with the children will use different forms of manipulation, and so they'll so multiple ways they'll they'll either uh, basically threaten them with their lives. They'll will um, they'll, they'll use actually alcohol and drugs on on some of them to keep them subdued. Right. Uh, they'll use manipulation. They'll use the threat of exposing them to their families. Yeah, a whole bunch of ways to keep them in bondage. Even, even uh, when I was speaking to one of our girls, that 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 they were even using uh, because uh, um, in some of these places you've got different religions and different yeah. groups, and they were using you even using curses over them. Said if you leave, this and this will happen to you. So then, therefore, they're abusing the child's perhaps religious faith or beliefs. And, and and throwing it back at the child. Yes. Child believes yeah. that if they were cursed, they yeah, they would be doomed. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and also, and and then and like I said, manipulation or even threat that something will happen to their families. They'll use any method they want to, and a lot of and sometimes they'll also mentally break them down. So you yeah. know, I'll give you this example. One of the amazing girls that we rescued, but while she was under control of the the traffickers, they kept on telling her that she's stupid. She's not worth anything. The only thing she will ever be good for is sleeping with men. Literally, and they kept on drumming that into her. So when we rescued her, 
part of our thing is once we rescue them, that's the only start. Of, it's the only the start this of their journey. Good. This is good. It's only the start of their journey. So they go to our. Uh, um, they'll go to a rescue center, and at the rescue center, one of the first things is uh, medical help and trauma counseling because some of these uh, children do have venereal diseases, um, uh, um, and also other medical issues that need help with. Um, but then. With each child, we put them on what we call a pathway of freedom, which yeah. can include education and can include vocational training. It can include both. Uh, um, just so we can get them to a point where they can walk into and choose their own destiny, not the one they were railroaded into. Yeah, and yeah. so, for example, with this girl, she – when when you know we we rescued her, she she had been drummed into her head that she she actually believed it that she's good for nothing and that she's stupid and the only thing she's worthwhile for is that men sleep with her. Yeah. So we rescued her. It it was a bit of a journey getting her to believe in herself and start getting her to hope again and yeah. believe and, and and dreaming again because a lot of these children their dreams and the hopes been robbed from them. I get that. And so the whole part of our purpose is to restore them back into those hopes and dreams and that they say you are worthy. Yeah. You are worthy to 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 walk into a destiny that of your choosing. Yeah. Not one you were forced into. Yeah. And so with her the the, the counselors and, and the staff did battle a bit getting her to that point but but she finally got to that point. Now fast forward is and this is what I love. This is why I love what I do is yeah. is we don't just rescue them out of out of hell. I believe is hell on earth. Yeah. But we get them to a point where they walk into their own destiny. And, and for her, she now fast forward. She works now for another not-for-profit. She goes into the villages, into the areas that she actually came from. In and, Thailand. In Thailand. Yeah. And, and she will actually, she helps and she talks to other children and girls her age and younger, talks to them about uh, identity, about uh, helps them with self-defense classes. Yeah. And this is a girl that had, had all of that stripped away from her. Yeah. But on top of it, she can read and write and speak fluently four languages. Yeah. How many can you speak, Bernie? No, I've got one. I've got a Swahili word and a few Nap Nepali words. <laughs> well, it's it's like most of us. But here's a girl that now can speak four languages yeah. fluently. And she was told she was dumb, she was stupid, she won't, she's got nothing else in life except just do this. Yeah. So that comes back to, you know, when you said how. Yeah. Like, like even those, when I, example of those boys that we rescued, we rescued the 11 uh, boys that were 15, 14 and 15 years old. They were that fearful of their trafficker. So he could easily just drop, he would literally drive them to a client, drop them off at a hotel yeah. or a unit yeah. and let them go up on their own. And then let them come back and wait for them. Or sometimes we'll have them on a street corner, yeah. allow men to pick them up. But they were that fearful they never, ever asked for help. These so, boys predominantly were for men? Yes, yes. Pedophilia? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, so these, unfortunately, a lot of these children just, they literally believe they, they yeah. can't ask for help. Yeah. And They're, if they've tried, you know. Yeah. Are any of the children from Australia or America? From Western worlds? No, yeah, no. Uh, um, so because of this whole industry, a lot of the children we rescue are actually from the actual nations in right, these nations. Okay. Sometimes we'll have children that were trafficked maybe from bordering nations. Yeah. Your intrusion, it's not just Bangkok. You mentioned Cambodia. How many countries yes, like are, you, said, are you looking at? Well, 12. So when you go on our website, you'll see there's, um, there's uh, um, nations that we name and then there's nations we don't. For political sensitive reasons, we've got undisclosed nations, so I won't go into those. But, but elaborate, we, what does that mean? 
um, political sensitive is that the the, the countries the, usually don't like that we're drawing attention to the fact that they've got a big problem. Right. And and so so they'd rather us not kind of be there or they don't want it to be known that we're there. But so, how do you have a presence in those countries if they we, don't want you to be there? Yeah, I probably won't go into too much detail on that, but we found a way to be there and to still effectively rescue children. And for us, in the end of the day, every child deserves the right yeah. to firstly uh, to choose their own destiny in their own direction. Yeah. Now you've got us intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> and the, an intriguing operation. Well, and, and then we've got other nations that we, – so we operate in, in Latin America yeah. and we also operate in, in Asia Pacific and but, also now in Africa as well. We've got, what about Middle East? Middle East, I would say not yet. But, yeah. But where we – between Africa, Central America and, and, um, and Asia Pacific, we, we basically affect quite a big percentage Mate, how fascinating. How absolutely fascinating. Mark, just remind me again, how many number 43s has Destiny, Destiny's Rescue? How many have you rescued since 2011? Destiny Rescue's rescued um, over 13,500 individuals. 12 different nations roughly yeah. that support this sex tourism, this child sex industry. A lot of the nations, I've got to put it, the, their governments want to see the end of this. So, okay. So we do, and that's probably where, you know, in our rescues, we've got different forms of rescues. We've got COVID rescues where we'll rescue them one at a time yeah. Yeah, ourselves. And then we've got once what we call raid rescues. Yeah. So raid rescues are where we actually work with a, um, a special police force or federal police agencies in the country. Yeah. That uh, um, even anti-trafficking agency yeah. that specifically are fighting against this. Yeah. So what we'll do is, if we see a place that's actively trafficking children and bringing them through and selling them, yeah. we'll actually go undercover and we'll build a base a case of evidence against it, the place. Yeah. And sometimes that is a difficult perspective because you've got to think our guys are going undercover. They meet a child. They know, but they've got to leave that child behind because yeah. they want to shut the whole place down. Yeah. So they're not just going to rescue the one child, but they want to rescue all of them. Yeah. But they know that night when they leave, another somebody else is going to book that child out. Yeah. And that is probably one of the toughest things for, for our guys to go through. But sure. we are building a case against a specific place, a location. Yeah. And then once there's enough evidence and the, and the federal police agency that we work with goes, yes, then they will organize a raid where they'll actually raid that place. The place gets shut down. Traffickers get taken into custody and uh, um, and all the individuals who've been trafficked will be rescued. And on that point, we do also rescue adults. So yeah. it's if an adult's been trafficked, they've been trafficked. So uh, um, And it's just like if you think somebody is drowning in the ocean, you don't have a lifeguard s- swimming up to them and go, hey, how old are you? And go, oh, I'm 21. Oh, too old, sorry, and turns back. Yeah. If we come across an adult that's been trafficked, We'll rescue them as well. Sure, But yeah. our focus are, are always and is always children. Yeah. But if we come a, gr- a drowning adult, we'll rescue them as well. I, I feel a, a bit of a responsibility in this podcast given the, the information and the description that you've already given us just to try to help our listeners picture what you're talking about. Can you give us a picture of what a raid looks like? You know, where does it occur? Um, does it become a, 
a, a party and then the police are ready to pounce. Just a brief picture. Yes, so there's, there's different forms we use, and I've just got to be kind of careful here that I don't give away too much of sure. how we do oh, it. Sure, we, we accept and I, understand I, I don't that. want to yeah. <laughs> give away our secrets or how we do it. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I might use this example of um, we had uh, um, we had organized uh, – uh, um, we knew of this, the trafficker – uh, uh, that had actually access to quite a few uh, um, children, and so we we had been trying to 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 get her to kind of take a bite at the bait that we're putting through. And she, the, our our men that she was meeting were uh, undercover, and she and they put themselves through as as pedophiles that were after younger uh, girls. And um, it seemed like she just wasn't going for it, but then. Uh, what we did is finally she actually responded back to one of her guys, but they actually already had traveled away from from the actual city they were in. Yeah, and so they had to become really ingenuity had to kick in, and so we didn't want to lose the opportunity to rescue the chul- children that we know that she had control over. And so what we did there was organize like a bit of a, a house party. So we organized a, uh-huh. a unit and told her to bring. Bring all the children and basically said, "Listen, all the children. Like how many? Well, in this case, there was about. I think there was about a recollection between eleven and fourteen. And now, uh, uh, children in this case, and and to get her to bring it to a unit that we had organised and said we're going to have a party there. And and the guys that have been talking to us said, "Listen, we're going to have a party there." But they were already they already had left the city. So what they had to do is actually they found. They tried to work out. They knew. They said, "All right, we can have it at this time." This was all happening very quickly, and we knew we had to react pretty quickly on it. And so we said, "All right, we're gonna. Well, what we're gonna do is is um, we'll meet you at eight o'clock at this uh, one of our staff members that's close by." So we organized, you know, a couple of our guys that was literally in the in there in the city, and and they organized so undercover policemen to come with them. But they said, "Oh, they'll be there. They'll start talking to. You. We're just stuck in traffic." Yeah, and the guys jumped into the car, you know, made sure it was dark, and yeah, and and, and took a, a, a took to took like a a video call to her. And yeah, said, hey, yeah. we here in that beer glasses, but they're on the opposite side of the world, like beer bottles, and go, yeah, this is good. They had the music playing, and they're like, oh, how good is this story? We, we try stuck in traffic because there was lots of traffic anyway, naturally there. Yeah, and just like we're stuck in traffic, but we'll be there soon. Just wait, you know, we'll be there in 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 half, you know, twenty minutes time or whatever time they gave. Yeah, and so. This the the trafficker bought at hook line and sinker and basically had all the girls in there, and, and one of our guys that uh, was on on site there already that was the you know to see some of these girls and just just even the fear in their little eyes yeah and, that's what, and, what, and, and 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 there was even uh, um, there was even a, a, a young boy in there as well yeah. and a few things so but anyway long story short uh, kind of set it up and as soon as she had paid money the police raided the place. And all the children were rescued. Is the Thailand government are, are they strong in their want? Yes, to shut it down. Oh, totally. That's great news, man. Oh, totally. Um, they even had an ad campaign quite a few years ago where they actually put, as soon as she arrived at the uh, international airport, they said, um, "Welcome to Thailand. Thailand is about come to Thailand for the right reasons. Come for our natural beauty." Well, dear people, you might consider this an interruption to the podcast. Not so. It is a glorious invitation 
an invitation for you to join me and many, many others on that mighty trail to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. Or maybe you'd prefer to do Gokyo Lakes. Yes, you've got two choices there and both of them will not let you down. Why? Because you'll be walking under the shadow of the most powerful forces of nature upon our planet. But you're also trekking and hiking with the beautiful Sherpa, who are our guides. Are they the most peaceful tribe of people upon the planet? I think so. And they're beautifully founded in the spirit of Buddhism. Just imagine it. Nature, Himalaya, powerful forces, Sherpaism, Buddhism, all infecting and invading your soul. I'm letting you know now, dear people, you come on the mighty trek that's leaving Australia or entering Nepal on April the 3rd or 4th, 2024, and you cannot return to your home base, your country, the same person as the one who left. It is simply that powerful. Would you love to join us? Here's all you have to do. I want you to take note of this particular number. Now get a pen. I'm going to delay for a second. Three seconds I delayed for. Plus six, one. 412-982-444. Now, you text me and say that you're interested and within 48 hours, I'll have delivered back to you a comprehensive information kit that gives you all the information that you will need to make an informed decision about joining us and the globe on a mighty trek to Everest Base Camp. And please remember that preceding that trek, we're also going to spend two beautiful days with 550 disabled children in Kathmandu. Yes, we built them a brand new school following the earthquakes of 2015, which shattered their classrooms. And, and, and I, I, I hesitate to say this, but thankfully they did because the new school that they've got has been a, a new energy for this beautiful community called Kagandra. Dear people, come to Nepal with us where I promise you that your spirit to become that more loving human being generate greater inner happiness. It will be enhanced. Hey, let's go back to this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Are you enjoying it? Mark, this is a, a, a remarkable podcast so far. Um, Hopefully, not too heavy for your uh, well. It is. It is about love. Mm. Your your rescue, your operation, is the great act of love in a a circumstance of catastrophe. And 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 so. There is so much to be aware of. I, I think it's an act of love in, in that it calls people to also question, what do I stand for? Yeah, where, where do I stand with respect to matters like we're talking about? There's so much in it, and yet it's so confusing because it's so dark, this topic. Mm. Reminding myself that this is a podcast about listeners finding within themselves how to become more loving, I, I want to now start personalising it around Mark Nuss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and the answer to this question around why do you do what you do, you could talk about the outcome, mm. right? Yeah. But if you don't mind, 
why do you do what you do? What's in it for Mark Nuss? Like, how does it make you feel as a human being to be doing what you do? How does it bring purpose and meaning to your life? Well, yeah, that's got many layers to it. But for me, foremost, you know, just from the onset, just want to say I, I count it actually a privilege to be part of yeah. an organization yeah. like Destiny Rescue. To to see your organization that 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 basically goes in to places that people wouldn't even dare to go into yeah. and dream to go into. To find these children that need help, that need rescue. But then for me then to see the transformation how, you know, in the end of the day, for me, the 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 the, the champions in our story, the 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 heroes in our story are our children that we rescue. Yeah. Because you've got kids that the most traumatic thing that you can think of has happened to them. Yeah. Yet they find the courage. Yeah. With the help, they find also the direction for their own lives and they walk in they walk ahead into their own destinies. Yeah. To where, you know, if we think now, you know, twenty two years in this journey, yeah. We're seeing the generational effect. We're seeing these children that when you find them, they're they're at this most vulnerable, broken state. But then fast forward it, you've got girls that are now married, they've got jobs and they've got their own children. Yeah. And yeah. their children are are born in a level that their own parents didn't, uh, that their own mother didn't experience. Sure. And for me, that is just to see that transformational point go through. Uh, you see it. How does it impact you? How does it make you a more effective, beautiful human being? What does it do for you? Oh. <laughs> uh, if you talk to my wife, I don't think I'd be fitting that bill exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, what I love about, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm including basically most people that work for, this, well, all people that work for Destiny Rescue. There is a motivation of, each one's got their own story, probably yeah. why they do it. But for me, it is, um, for me, we as humans, as individuals, I think we have got a role to when we pass on that we have actually left this world, this earth in a better place. Yeah, I love that. And we're better to start with than the next generation. Yeah. If we can have an impact on the next generation yeah. and lift them up to the next level and help them and give them the tools to yeah. be able to go – what a better society will we have in, in 10, 20, 30 years' time? Yes. If you've got all these individuals that you've been able to actually help in your, in whatever way you can. I, now, yeah. each one of us at Discord has got different roles we've got to play. But every role is so crucially important for, that, for getting that child to that journey. Yeah. And for me individually – my, I think one of the biggest changes for me, if you don't mind, please, um, yeah. came. You know, you're talking about love, is that I, I grew up in a in a good household. I grew up in South Africa, yeah, and and but I was, you know, uh, uh, I was li literally for a stage as a student, just kind of really living life my own way. 
You know, yeah. I, I'd, I had this whole direction. I, I'm, I was going to become a lawyer. I'm studying, and 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 I was literally, I was just living all for myself. If I may say so, and this is separate. You you you're living this existence. You're going down this pathway, despite the environment that I'm imagining that South Africa was. Yes, in. we're talking about an apartheid South yes, Africa. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So all of that noise yeah. is going on. Is Mandela around? Well, Mandela, in in specifically around that time, yes, he's he's um, our. Had he been it, released? Well, our, I would say our generation. Well, the first time I was allowed to vote when we when I grew up. So the first time when I became legal age to vote was when we voted about are we going to keep apartheid or let it go. Wow. And so, so each you know everybody had to had cast their vote, and and I know. From what I can recall, and I think the stats will be there, that probably at the younger generation, the majority were the ones who said, "No, yeah, this can't be anymore." Yeah, because we've seen enough of the world around us. We've seen enough of of things that you go, "This, this is this can't be right." Like you, you know, for me, I, I remember still, I grew up in a city, and you you had people, you had apartheid, so you know, black and white didn't live together unless you had a servant working your in your house and that I grew up in a household where my my dad and parents we didn't really have like servants living with us or anything like that when I say servants yeah. you know a black lady or yeah, or, 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 yeah. or a black man working yeah. in the house because my parents right from early on said this is not real yeah. you've got to learn to do things on your own feet yeah um and but I remember we drove and we stopped in 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 a small town we were staying in this a motel and was I remember it was Alco Rooms is this place because it just was such a eye opener for me as a teenage boy. So we're staying in this motel and next minute I hear like this horn go off through the t- through the town like like basically it's it was the horn you would hear if a tornado would be coming. Not okay. that we have them there, yeah. but it was that it was yeah. like the whole town heard it. This yeah. big horn went off. Yeah. And I asked my dad, what's that? And he said, no, that horn is to notify that there can't be any black people in the town. They've got to leave. They've got to go to their section, to their township, because they're not allowed to be there after a certain time. I've never heard of that. No. And I think a lot of people haven't. And But yeah. for me, that I remember that was for me probably a moment where I go, wait a minute, how can this be? Yeah. And probably I would say that's when start of my eyes started opening because if you live just in a certain environment the whole time, yeah. you're born in an environment, you need certain things that's kind of a bit of a circuit breaker to pull you out of that and go yeah. start asking questions. Yeah. And, and I would say as a young, you know, I'm trying to think, I think I probably was probably about 12, 12 years old. Or yeah. I started asking those questions and I wasn't the only one. Quite a few people, you know, of our generations probably started asking the questions. Is there a religious foundation in your family that – that 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 fueled a different perspective. Oh yes, for myself personally. Yeah. Um, yes. So for me, I grew up in in, in a in a um, in a, a Lutheran church environment and also a Dutch Reformed church environment. But that was, you know, interestingly, there you still had people living going to church separately. White and black would go separately. <laughs> so the segregation was right through right through the system. Welcome to Christianity. Yeah, and so. <laughs> And so what I did is as soon as I, like, I think at the age of 16, you had, like, confirmation, I literally, that's the last time the church saw me. I was gone, you know, because what I saw was religion. There was no, nothing else, no relationship. Yeah. Then for myself personally, 
Um, so I was living, like I said, I was living life for myself, going for it. I had all these goals, you know, going for it. And then um, I, at a stage I was, I really liked this one girl and uh, her name's Erica and blonde hair, blue eyes. And, and she, and, and, and she liked me as well, but we were studying at different universities. And then one day during break, holiday period, uh, we were back in the same city and I phoned her and I said, hey, Erica, you know, when you want to go out, there's this open air concert, you want to go with me to the concert? And, and she kind of like, yes, I would love to, but just want to let you know there's, there's been a bit of a change in my life. I said, oh, what's that? She said, oh, I'm a born again Christian. And I'm, like, and I'm like, what? And then she tried to explain to me, and I just said, oh, happy clappies. <laughs> and she said, hey, if that's what you want to call me, that's fine. And that was a terminology we used for, for you know, for, 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 for Christian, well, that I used anyway. Yeah. And um, she said, yeah. So, but, you know, I said, well, you still want to go out? And she says, yes. And I said, great. And I went with her out. We had a great night. And I said, all right, let's go out again tomorrow. And she, tomorrow night. And she said, Yes, but uh, do you mind coming with me? I'm going to this small church that's out of a school hall. We can go to church and then go out. And I was, she had a plan for oh, you, pal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I was squeaming, and I'm like, no, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But I really wanted to go out with her, and and so I was like, all right, we go out afterwards. All right, fine, I'll go. Now I know maybe your listeners will go like, but each one, everybody, each to their own. You know, absolutely. So, but this is this is reality for me. Yeah. So the only way I can explain it is, the moment I walked into this school hall, yeah, they already were playing, you know, music, you know, worshiping. We came in a bit late. The only way I can explain to it is as if suddenly somebody switched on this big massive spotlight was shining on me, and I could literally feel and it radiated just this pure love that I had never experienced. Yeah. Yeah. It was tangible for me, but just this intense, pure love. Yeah. And then while I'm in the service, I can't remember a word that the preacher preached or anything, but literally just these words. And, you know, people was just reverberating through my soul, these words, Mark, you'll stop your nonsense and you'll follow me. But I knew, I knew that I knew that it was Christ, that he died for me on the cross. Yeah. And that it was him saying, come. Yeah. I've got a plan for you. So how do you how do you respond to I'm going to call it a modern day religion? Maybe mm-hmm. religion is not quite the right word. I call it the universal movement. Yeah. <laughs> I hear so many people saying I'm not religious, but I I let the universe look after me. Mm-hmm. And and I feel what they're saying is I will acknowledge a force, a power, an essence, an mm. energy that is greater to me, yep. greater than me, and I seek to connect with it. Yeah. How do how do you associate religion and that perspective? Are they one of the same? Yeah, for me, religion. I see myself as it's all about a personal relationship. Okay. Religion for me is works. Yeah. I go through rituals. I go through these. If I do these five steps, this will happen. Yeah. If I do this, this will happen. Yeah. I had that when I was younger and didn't want to borrow it and ran yeah. away from it. Yeah. Because even under that, there was things done that I, I wouldn't agree at all with. But yeah. So for me, that's religion. It's, and it's for me like my relationship like with my wife. Yeah. It 
there, there's this intimacy. Yeah. There's this time when it's just you and her, when you communicate, when you talk. Yeah. There's these times when, like, the rest of the world shut out and it's just you and her. Yeah. And that, for me, is a living, breathing relationship. Yeah. And that's, for me, how it is for me yeah. with, with God. Yeah. It's not about rules. It's not about tick the box, you know, pray this or pray that. It's all about a relationship. And that's what that's what was my my experience was this intense love yeah. and this call. And like when I walked away that, that day out of that little building, yeah. you know, Erica said, oh, let's go out. I said, no, I'm not. And I went back home and I literally just went on my knees and said, God, here I am. Wow, so you didn't go out with her? No, that I didn't. It was. Oh, mate, uh, I was about to hear that, that, that she became your wife. No, 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 no. no oh, no. I'm sorry to your wife. <laughs> no, no. It, you know, f- for me, there's a plan and everything. And years later, I met the most amazing woman, and that's my wife. And, yeah. and, and uh, uh, yes, I, I definitely hit the jackpot. Uh, to yeah. use Australian terminology, I bet above my my <laughs> my school line definitely and uh, my average I bet above my average and I and I and I box way above my weight category so you know so it's uh, and for me but that's so that then affected a lot of things how I saw life yeah so for me love is the key in everything you know you talk about your podcast yeah and for me what motivates me is is especially you know like working with Destiny Rescue. Yeah, is we've got the we've got the opportunity to express love. Yeah, in a very specific way. Yeah, and that is giving these amazing, amazing children yeah. opportunity to be pulled out of what I call living hell. Yeah, and placed in the position. Where they can actually make their own choices, yeah, and move into their dreams that they had, and that they have, and that's one of the crucial elements for us is, is connecting the children back to the dreams that they had. Yeah, you know, when I use the example of those boys that we, that that were rescued, eleven boys that were rescued. Yeah, one of the boys, you know, one of the ways for him getting also helping with their trauma and getting through their things was connecting him back to a, dream, a desire he had before he got trafficked. Yeah. And that was to become a – he wanted to become a motorbike mechanic. Yeah. yeah. So he would go to school and then we would make sure that he goes three days a week and he'd have the ability to be vocationally trained, trained yeah. under a motorbike mechanic, will train them up to become a mechanic. And yeah. just to see that – just when he started talking about that, just the smile on his face. Yeah. That for me is worth everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so far, Mark, we, we've heard about your remarkable current journey, you know, the work that you do with Destiny's Rescue. But I think we've started to understand the foundation of, of why you're drawn to that type of work you know, I, I heard it in your, you know, South African um, found, foundation. Mark, you, you, you may s- feel that this is an unusual question, but this is what I'm seeing in you and hearing from you in this discussion so far. Amazing current experience of 
so many different shades and colours through your work of Destiny's Rescue. Can't imagine what that teaches you about yourself and about people and about life. But I think I started to understand why you'd be drawn to that work because I've heard of your foundation in South Africa and what a volatile environment that was Mm. while you were growing up and even then the opportunity to see a Mandela Mm. (laughs) and to be so close Mm. to such a figure as a model. Mm. And I'm trying to to put that whole journey together and I'm I'm imagining this, so don't let me put words in your your mouth. I'm imagining that your capacity to love in your life's journey without even knowing how many years you've been upon the planet. Yeah. Right? And there's many more to come. Yeah. Right? We hope. Yeah. We trust. Definitely. Right? But in that journey, I, I can only imagine that your capacity to love at the moment is perhaps at its highest it's ever been in your life's journey. <laughs> is that a is yeah. that a fair comment or do you get – are there other distractions which dilute your opportunity to be that beautiful, loving human? Oh, I think there's a lot of opportunities that you can get in life when when you when it's difficult to choose choose love, if you're going to put it that way. Yeah. But oh, I think we all are on a journey, right? Yeah. And so we get a lot of opportunities where we've because sometimes love is a decision. Oh, well, wow. And and so. We get opportunities to not choose love along our journey. So therefore you're talking about it. It's a momentary decision. It's yes. an event decision. Yes. What if it was a life decision? Well, it can be a life decision, but it's still got to be outworking. It's got to look like something. Yeah. Love looks like something, <laughs> right? It's. I can say, I love you, Bernie, and those are words. Yeah. And yes, words have meaning, words yeah. have power, but if it just stays with words and you're not seeing the actions, yeah, actions – is what so love looks like a whole looks like something. So love and, is action. Yes, and love so, has to be action. That's right. Yeah. In the old saying, love is a verb. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. a, there's a doing behind it. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, the journey, uh, this journey, and especially also working with Desiree, you gave me new ways of expressing love that I've never like. If you would have told me twenty years ago, I'd be doing what where I'm working now. I would have – that was not part of the paradigm where, where, where my mind was going. But you couldn't see it back I then. I couldn't see in that back then, exactly. You couldn't see Destiny's Rescue, but could you see yourself um, standing for a justice? Could you see yourself in servitude to humanity? I, I think, like I said, that, that salvation moment in my life is yeah. what put me on that pathway. So, yeah. yes, I definitely was looking for, for ways of actually being a better human – and affecting the world around me, and and I'm a firm believer of love is the language. This is what you – so finding ways of expressing that and being a better person around myself. Does it mean I've not uh, I've not made mistakes along the way? Oh. Oh, definitely. Welcome to humanity. Yeah, yeah, totally. And made some doozies where if I could go back in time and take it away, reverse it, I would. But I, I don't have that capability. So all I can do is work from what's in front of me right now and forward. Yeah. And that is then making these and coming to these times when you've got to make these decisions where you choose love about 
above something else. And there's opportunities. Sometimes people will do things to you, yeah. you know, yeah. whether it's on purpose or well or, or well meaning people doing the wrong thing or evil meaning people doing the wrong thing. Yeah. We've got a choice. How am I going to react to that situation right there in this moment and in this time? Yeah. And so for me, have I to answer you, have I gotten there? I would say, no, I didn't gonna... say that. I didn't say, have you gotten there? I've said, in the journey of your life so far, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, uh, have you maximised it on the assumption that yeah. there's always more to go? Okay, with the assumption that there's always more to go, yes, I, I think I am, or, <laughs> I, I am on that journey. But, you know, if I look at myself, and, and I can look at myself and go, oh, man, you know, there are places that I should have made different decisions along the way. So I think we're, we're all on a journey, but the whole thing is as long as love keeps on increasing in our life, yeah. I believe we're on the right path. Is there any limit to it? I don't think so. I wow. believe I really don't believe so. I believe it can go because it's nearly like when you think you've hit a level, then new things get opened up in front of you and you realize there's so much more. Wow. And and I think we're all on – we're all growing. Yeah. Well, I think we're supposed to as human beings from the day we're born there's this growth process. And and I'm a firm believer, you know, you and I had a chat earlier on that I don't believe we're meant to just retire. I really believe we've got to have a purpose all the way through till we pass on. Yeah, yeah, but are you you dare suggesting? <laughs> You're almost, there's almost a, a commentary coming from you that we're all on the, on the life's journey. You yeah. know, we're all growing. Yeah. But are you dare suggesting that at the heart of our humanity is we're all growing to actually discover that love is all there is? Yes. I would say yes. From wow. myself, just my experience in life, yeah. the more people – and sometimes people need the help to yeah. introduce them to that. If they all they've known was pain and, and suffering and all these different things, sometimes we've got to be the, the hands that help them say, listen, there's a better way. Howdy, 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 guys. It's uh, Loaded Question Time again. And there it is again. It's the big call of the podcast. The biggest call there is, really. Love is all there is and nothing else matters. The suggestion being that becoming love should be our daily purpose. So what does that say about our day-to-day? What's the action? What's the work? How can we bring all the um, branches, let's say, of love Care, nurture, connection, listening, empathy. How do we consciously, actively bring as many of those as possible into every moment of our lives? Every thought, every action, every reaction. Now, the last and most interesting question on this little path, do we think that that would cost us anything? Money, time, stress? Or do you reckon it might actually enhance our value, amplify our contribution to the world? And what rewards might flow from that? Mark, we need to wind up, my good friend. And it, it just feels so right for me to ask a couple of questions mm-hmm. to end it up. Do you see love as a lifestyle? Is love a way of life? that is available to all. Yes. I'm a firm believer it is. Yeah. And, but like I said, it's, it starts with choices. Yeah. Decisions, even when we don't feel like it. 
Yeah, I feel as if love can be a lifestyle, but people have got to be aware of the value and the power of that mm. lifestyle versus the one that is so often presented to them by society's culture. Mm. Yes, <laughs> totally. You know, and of course the other question has got to be, <laughs> here we are talking about it, but the Mark Nuss definition, please. What is love? What is love? Mm. For eyes. for me, and this is probably you know coming from my paradigm, you know from a Christian viewpoint, but true love is firstly unconditional. Can we be unconditional? Surely We've, that's divine. No, but we we can if we make those decisions. Yeah. If I choose to love a person, yeah, despite their actions. Yeah. For me, what a great example of Mother Teresa. She loved what people called unlovable. Yeah. And she would get right in there with them. And and when she would be in contact with them, she it wasn't because they were beautiful, fantastic human beings she came across. No. Yeah. It was love, like I said, looks like something. Yeah. And if I can leave that with as probably my fundamental point of view yeah. is love always looks like something. It's this action behind yeah. your words of love. Yeah. And for me, so love is unconditional. Yeah. It's not if if it's always dependent on what the other person gives me, that's yeah. not love. Yeah. 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 It's, if it's dependent on what I get out of you, Bernie, yeah. then that, that can't be love. Can't be love. It's a gift. Yes. Yeah. It's having spent um a number of occasions uh, walking into the mother house in Calcutta and and then spending anywhere between a couple of days and let's say a week and a half working with her missionaries yeah, charity yeah, yeah. and this is beyond her death yeah um, I don't think I I have ever seen a group or a collection of people who are walking love like those mm. nuns, mm. those sisters. Having said that, I'm sure other such communities exist. Mm. Um, but those those nuns, they're just incredible in how they they live love on a momentary basis. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> on a momentary basis. And for me, you know, if you look at Nelson Mandela, when he stepped out of prison, he could have, and justifiably, could have said, right, going to get all of you. But he didn't. No. He chose reconciliation. Yeah. He chose love. Yeah. And that probably stopped our nation going to the brink of civil war. Yeah. By him taking those steps. And for me, those were examples of love and action. Yeah. And I think you'll find a lot of great men when we look at them. Yeah. There were those elements yeah. in their walk towards humanity. You, you, you can never love this, the action of sex trafficking. No. No, no. Obviously. No. Can you love the sex trafficker? <laughs> the person, not, not their actions, mm. but is that, is that possible in a moment of time because you know that your 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 love may may just have an impact on 
uh, sowing a seed for transformation or transition. Oh, totally. And, and but but like I said, when I told you that it's a journey, and yeah. sometimes I've been in a position where there isn't yeah. that that that, uh, and and it's hard to to try and make that decision. Yeah, you know, uh, I was sitting, I was sitting, waiting to fly back. Um, out of Bangkok, sitting, you know, as you sit and wait there for the plane, we're about to board. Yeah. So I'm sitting next to this gentleman and and I'm hearing this conversation and he's talking to his wife and he's going, oh, yes, love you, honey. And he, you can hear the conversation, oh, no, the business trip went well. How are the kids? And, you know, he's got his wedding band on and he's, you know, all in that mode. And I kind of look up and unfortunately – I'm not the best with names, but I never forget a face. Yeah. And I look and I recognize them. I recognize them from a couple of days before. I was sitting in a bar next to a young girl and he was sitting next to a young child himself. Now, in that moment, I probably would say I failed my test. Yeah. Because what I was imagining doing in my head, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't do. Yeah. But it wasn't thoughts of love. So yeah. that's why I say it's a journey. Yeah, of course. Because you've got to – but is there examples that we've seen where we, where, we show, where we show compassion, we show love? Yeah. To see transformation happening in people's lives? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But for foremost, we're in there to rescue those children. Mm. And for me, like I, I think I said it earlier on my thing, each one of those children, for me personally, and I know for all of us that we're with this rescue, they're our heroes. Yeah. Because to be able to go from that point where what's happened to their lives. Yeah. To be able to go and then live with their lives and then walk into their own destinies. Yeah. I think it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, I can't imagine the degree or the potency of love <laughs> that you you and all your wonderful people that work for Destiny's Rescue bring um, to each of those, those beautiful children. And um, I've experienced that in pain this morning. <laughs> yeah. But I've actually experienced the, 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 the love of your work and the love of you Yet I'm 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 feeling the anguish and the pain of the stories that you've been you've been telling. Someone once said recently, the pain and the anguish feels like the 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 road that's travelling south. And then they said, and then when you're you're feeling on love and you're moving forward, that's the road travelling north. But then if you look behind, you actually realise it's 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 the same road. Yeah. It's the same road. It's just a continuum. It's yes. because of one that you can actually feel the other. I just want to thank you ever so much, my dear friend, for for enlightening us, for making us aware, for um, calling us to stand for justice, to 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 look within ourselves and to and to ask ourselves, what what are we doing? What can we do? Mm. What other causes and justices that that injustices that are all around us yep. that we should be not turning a blind eye to, mm -hmm. but finding loving courage within ourselves 
to strengthen us as a loving human being through our actions yeah. so that we too can be fulfilled by making the world we touch um, a better place just mm. as you do. My dear friend, thanks ever so much for being part of A Journey with Bernie. <laughs> thank you so much. And I really kind of privileged being part of this and thank you so much. And um, yeah, thanks for highlighting Destiny Rescue to your listeners. Yeah, I really appreciate it yeah. because we're a, we're a not-for-profit. And so, yes, really appreciate that. Destiny's Rescue, I'm sure that if we just type that into Google, do we type in your name too? No, no, no. Just Destiny Rescue. Yeah. Um, dot org dot au. Yeah. And they'll be able to find us. And yeah. Maybe I don't know if there's a way we can put a little link there as yeah, well. We, we can yeah. do that through the 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 description notes yes. of the podcast. But also they're hearing it right now. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. So if I hope you don't mind, but just we're we're a not for profit. We do, we help governments, but we don't get government assistance at yeah. all. And it's purely moms and dads that have helped us. And it's literally a partnership Yeah, with our donors and us. Yeah, Like there's no way we can sit next to those children and rescue them if it wasn't for our amazing partners. So if we go to the website, there, yeah. is, a, there is a link there to yes. be able to donate? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and we've got two forms. We've got what we call rescue partners. Yeah. People say, you know what, I'm going to partner with you. Yeah. And it's it's monthly. So, you know, it's it's any amount that they feel, but I think it's – it's usually around the $55 or more per month. And if yeah. you think of it these days, that's not even five coffees a month. That's yeah. like four. And then the way the inflation goes, maybe yeah. three. Yeah. Um, or they can do one-off donations. So, but yeah. the rescue partners are great in the sense it helps us with with actually um, uh, um, making proper budgets. Yeah. It helps us with cash flow. And what's also great, what I believe with this rescue, we've actually got our financials right on our website. We, we actually post it every year. It's right yeah. on our website so people can go and have a look at yeah. it. And and yes, so surely, dear listeners, as a way of responding to this podcast, surely one of the simplest acts of love, and I know it's got a monetary tone to it, but surely going onto that website, yes, www.destinyrescue.org.au. Destiny Rescue is all one word. Yes. .org.au. Yeah. Pressing the donate button and and just giving a little bit for an injustice that we've heard about this morning that we should all feel mortified. But aren't we delighted that we have the Mark Nusses of this world and your good people um, addressing uh, what humanity has failed to address. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. Do appreciate you, mate. Love your heaps. Love your listeners. Bye-bye. Well, good people, what did you think of that episode? I don't know about you, but I just loved it. I just love hearing of people's journeys and their stories that allow us to be able to identify what strategies and actions, routines, disciplines, ways of seeing self in the world that we can consider so that you and I, through their story, can become a more loving human being. Now, glued to this particular episode, of course, is Chipster Lachlan Huddy. And our editor and producer is now going to deliver Chip's take-home pay, a four-minute summary of the actions and the strategies that you and I might consider in order to become that more loving human being. Hey, over to you, Chipster. Thanks, Bern. And hi again, guys. It's Chip here for the last time this episode. And as much as I'd like to keep it light today, uh, you know, keep it ironical and flippant, as is my want, 
Today, I think, and I'm sure you'll agree, that this is a subject about which to get very serious. Now, stay with me. Uh, it'll seem like I'm taking the long way around, but it's all coming to a point, I promise. Over here in the developed world, the word suffering gets bandied about. Um, I think the definition has become a bit loose. Everyone's suffering, uh, and everyone's suffering needs to be respected. And while I do agree with that, as far as it goes, I also come from, by most people's standards, uh, extreme privilege. My parents worked very hard uh, and made themselves very wealthy, uh, and they've been hugely generous um, to both of their children. But I still worry about money. I'm still fearful to let go of it, which is fucking absurd. And I have a decent amount of shame around that absurd fear. And I have this wonderful American friend who's just such a kind, huge-hearted man. Um, he's a voice actor over in Philadelphia. Um, and I was talking about the shame with him uh, a few years ago. And he said to me, Chip, you're still a human being. Your pain still matters. And it does. And so does yours. Whoever's listening, so does yours. But does our pain right now matter quite as much as a traffic child? Because what's happening to those kids, that's suffering. Yet if they get the chance, as Mark said, they find the courage to live. They walk ahead into their own destinies. So yes, we're all suffering, but some of us are suffering more. And if we really want to live love as a lifestyle, as we keep saying, part of that really is making the world a better place. It really means uplifting the most downtrodden. So let's get serious. You hear that? That's me donating $1,800 to Destiny Rescue. That is enough to rescue one child. Now, you don't have to give that much, but I reckon you should get serious and you should give something. You have the link. You've heard Mark's story. Let's get serious together, guys. Okay, that's all from me, you gorgeous SOBs. I'm Chip Huddy. This has been Chip's Take Home Pay, and I do hope you found some pay worth taking home and maybe giving out. As always, my friends, our Wiedersehen. Ah, uh, that was gold, dear people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's take-home pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this. Remember this.